Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Very big episode of Simply Amazing. Uh, Tim Ryder from the Apple. Taryn Sharma. Taryn, uh, I don't know. Where do we even start, pal? Uh, well, first of all, welcome to Italy's number two rated baseball podcast. Oh, we're back in the top three. I know we, we dropped to four, I thought. Oh, no. I know. Well, uh, I, I'm not current. I, I really am not current. But while we're on that topic, huge shout out to Shea Station. Did you see that they landed in the top seven in all of America? I mean, you know, it's not our podcast, but that's amazing. That's great. Um, And uh, to our Italian uh, listeners, we say thank you. Um, Buonasera. Yeah, I didn't know how to say it, so I didn't want to embarrass myself and you. No, I just uh, said hello. Thank you is a a, a nice grazie. Oh, grazie. Yeah, okay. All right. I knew that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the Mets, they made huge news. Uh, In the middle of the night, they signed Danny Mendick to a (laughs) one-year, $1 million contract. Uh, And it's really rocking the baseball world. Oh, my God. Reverberations across the uh, across the globe. That's right. Uh, So it it, uh, was that the one or um, they 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 had another big one. Oh, they ate 19 million dollars of James McCann's salary to send him to the Orioles. Huge deal. Uh, And again, uh, rocking the baseball world. Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> Taryn, I have a feeling that, that, that this is not the uh, the seismic activity that we're, we're that we're we have on board today. No, that seismic activity was uh, Carlos Correa throwing Scott Boris onto a bed in San Francisco uh, in excitement about becoming a New York Met, a twelve-year, three hundred and fifteen million dollar deal, uh, basically losing uh, a year and thirty-five million dollars uh, over. The Giants' concerns over uh, past uh, fibula injury um, that we can discuss from 2014. But, uh, yeah, the Mets swoop in and at uh, a very reasonable 26 and change per year for the next 12 years, Carlos Correa solidifies the left side of the Mets infield, uh, which, if it's not the best, is certainly in the top three in all of baseball. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, there's so many different layers to this, um, how it went down, what it means for this franchise now and later. Uh, you know, I heard today, and I, I don't know if this is the more the most exciting part of this, but I heard that I guess Boris was speaking with the uh, with with the I guess a large media contingent, not just the Mets today, and noted that Correa was not only willing but eager to move to third base. Yeah. And he plans on bulking up to add power to, you know, he doesn't have to have so much range anymore. Um, Again, so many layers to this. And 
from a Mets fan's perspective, it's really all good. Yeah. And it makes sense if you think about the type of player that Carlos Correa is, just the way that he's built. He's six foot four, which is huge for a shortstop. Um, so it should be pretty natural for him to be able to add some more muscle uh, and, and really dominate third base. And that was what Boris said that Correa was most excited to do was really to uh, make third base his own. And so there, there has been a, a little bit of questioning, you know, whether Correa would be able to make that move. And so I, I went back and looked uh, Correa all through the minors, all the way through uh, his career to this point, um, his years in Houston and then uh, his year in Minnesota. He's never appeared for even an inning at uh, anything other than shortstop. At one point, he was registered uh, as a batter in a game, in one single game with the Corpus Christi Hooks in 2015 as a third baseman, but he never played an inning there. Um, But he has said in the past that he would be willing to move to third base to accommodate his good friend and fellow Puerto Rican, Francisco Lindor, who just happens to be the big, beautiful shortstop of the New York Mets. So uh, he's done that. He did that in the 2017 World Baseball Classic. He absolutely raked. He hit a 400 plus foot home run in the semifinals of that tournament uh, against the Netherlands. And, uh, and and so there's a lot to be excited about. He is a premium defender being moved to the hot corner. It sounds similar to something else that's been done in New York before. Do you you know what I'm talking about, Tim? Moving a shortstop to third base. Hmm. I, I am. I'm racking my brain here. Yeah, they get they get a big contract. They there's a great shortstop there already. Um, oh yeah, right. The other team in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's funny that this deal also just gets announced on the day that uh, that Judge becomes the 16th captain in Yankees history, which is great for them and great for Judge. Judge is a great player. But um, I, I do like that both Hal Steinbrenner and uh, Steve Cohen have kind of embraced the rivalry a little bit. Uh, Hal said that that having two great baseball teams in New York is good for baseball, and I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that that has been my favorite piece of discourse in the aftermath of the Correa signing way more than some of the other nonsense in terms of good or bad for baseball that has been bandied about. What do you think? I'm actually in the, in the, in the school of thought that the Yankees were, you know, quietly super, super pissed that the Mets kind of stole their thunder on Wednesday. And, and, you know, the, the, the comments via Steinbrenner were very nice, but it, all, in my head, all I can picture is that meme with the angry, crying face with the happy mask on top of it. That's all <laughs> I can see when I think of uh, of what they were kind of the face they kind of had to put on on Wednesday. Um, can you imagine what George Steinbrenner what would have thought about all of this? About well, how it went down? Given how Steinbrenner uh reacted in the uh in the 70s and then in the 90s when the Mets were kind of pulling for uh, uh some of the heartstrings in New York obviously speaking about the uh the 69 team and then the 86 team um I I, I think that he would be inclined to go out and make a big move but I mean you know, this is not a Yankees podcast, but they obviously have made a couple of big moves. They retained their big piece they brought in Rodon. So good for them 
I know that they're being mentioned uh, with uh, Brian Reynolds, but I just have to say from, from a Mets perspective, how happy I am that Cohen not only went out, he brought back the big pieces that we were really hoping to bring back. Um, didn't really love the idea of, of stripping down the farm to trade for Brian Reynolds as good as I think Brian Reynolds is. Um, and, and so bringing back Nimmo huge there, I don't think that there was a, an, another closing uh, type pitcher out there that could have done what Edwin Diaz is capable of and what he showed last year. He brought back Edwin Diaz uh, and, and then filling the the gap that Degrom signing in Texas and and wanting to follow their vision for uh, for winning World Series apparently uh, with Verlander I thought was just huge and and then getting all of those pieces kind of sorted out he and Billy were able to play with different possibilities so they bring in Robertson they bring in uh, 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 Senga they bring in. Um, now, Correa, I think that this has just been a marvelous offseason. Just you couldn't expect anything better from any team. And uh, and I'm very proud that it was our team that uh, that their leadership has done it. I mean, they, they've gone above and beyond. I mean, that, that's pretty much been the at every turn. That's been their M.O. throughout the winter. It's like. You know, the minute that the Padres knocked off the Mets in October, um, this front office, you know, kicked things into high gear. And, you know, I think there were a lot of questions as to what they were what they were going to do, what they were able to do, how far they could really go. Was this the core that they were going to build around? And, you know, they kind of turned everything on its end. And and now at this point, I mean, you're pushing a, uh, a luxury tax payroll you know, pushing $400 million. Um, You know, you have a lot of baseball upset with the Mets, but it almost feels like the smart fans know that, you know, all the boats rise with the, well, they boat boats rise with the tide. I wish I knew that the, the, the correct uh, idiom there, but I don't, but um, you know, I think it's going to improve the game. And, and from the Mets standpoint, you're keeping up with uh, one of the prop, arguably the, the toughest division in baseball. Most likely, I mean, between the NL East and the NL West, you're looking at arguably, you know, the National League could be the cream of the crop. You also have some very good American League teams as well. But my gosh, look at what, you know, just the, those five teams, the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, the Dodgers and the Padres, you know, those are potential powerhouses things could really go any way and that's even after the Mets have put all this money into their team but you know it's not just about going out and spending money for wins which the Mets are putting themselves in a good position to do but it's about keeping up with all those teams and I think what Steve Cohen and what Billy Epler and what their staff has done with their options with their bankroll with you know, the, the the pivots that they've had to deal with, whether it be DeGrom, whether it be the, uh, I guess, the, the questions around Nimmo before he signed, whether he was going to go somewhere else, whether they had to kind of pivot there. And, you know, they've rolled with the punches exquisitely. They, you really can't knock them for anything they've done. They've, they've, they've fortified each and every part of their roster that they wanted to. They probably still have a couple of pieces left. Now they have options as where to move guys. Because, you know, I mean, 
I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I know we're kind of just rambling off kind of everything right now, but like with Correa in the mix, now you have to worry about where Luis Guillorme goes in that turn. You know, uh, let's say you're, you're, you're playing McNeil at second most of the time and uh, Canna in left field. And then you, you still want to get Guillaume reps because he's terrific in the field and he's a contact hitter and he's a low strikeout guy. So you move him to second. You put McNeil in left field. Canna's on the bench for the day. But what about Brett Beatty, who's by all accounts almost ready to go? Yeah. You know, there's so many different layers. And I think that, you know, from the outside perspective, you, you have to look at all of them. But from the inside perspective, it almost feels like they are totally calm and know where all these things are going. And, you know, personally, I think versatility is going to be key here. But all the options and all the depth, it's just worked out so well. I don't even care about the payroll at this point. Yeah. Um, and I I think that the payroll also, and, and we should just put this number in context a little bit. The Mets are going to be paying something like $110 million in uh, taxes on the money that they've gone over the so-called Cohen tax threshold, $110 million is more than what, like nine or 10 teams in baseball. In my opinion, those owners who get about a hundred million dollar payment just before they even factor in uh, gate receipts or concessions uh, or, or anything else. Right. That's just TV money, right? Yeah. Just TV money. $100 million is what they're pocketing. And so if you're telling me the Cincinnati Reds today signed uh, Will Myers one year, $7.5 million, it's a nice signing. He's a guy who will probably hit really well, have good value at the trade deadline, and fetch them a nice mid-level prospect. It's a good signing. Sure. But Nick Kroll was asked, uh, you know, are you going to go out and sign everybody else or anybody else? Uh, you know, we'd have to be creative was his response. Well, 80 something million dollars. I mean, that is just, that's pathetic. The people of Cincinnati, the fans of Cincinnati shouldn't feel like their team doesn't have a chance going into every single season. Like they haven't won a playoff game. What in, in a decade. And it's not like Bob Castellini doesn't have money. He's got 400 plus million dollars. So you don't have to spend like Cohen in order to, uh, uh, put out a, a winning ball club, but you can spend a little bit and, and seven and a half million dollars is not exactly, uh, you know, the, the amount that I'm thinking. <laughs> and they DFA'd Moustakis today. So they're, they're eating all of his contracts. If he gets picked up and other teams just going to pay the league minimum for him. Um, you know, Cincinnati one, it's a terrific fan base. You're the oldest team, in the national league. That's right. Um, you know, what, and I'm going to take it back to Steve Cohen and really Steve Cohen and the handful of other owners who can, you can genuinely see that they want to win. They want to succeed. They want their ball club to succeed. They want their fans to be happy, all those things. But there's only a small, small handful of, and this isn't just baseball, it's professional sports owners. And it's getting better. If you look at the NBA, I mean, um, that's almost like a model now, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, what, you know, what Cohen is doing now and what other like teams like the Dodgers and the Padres who have gone crazy this this year, you know, especially the Padres, in fact, because they're not a quote unquote large market team. They're just doing it to compete. This is going to cause 
teams like uh, fan bases like the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Tampa Bay Rays, who somehow keep on staying relevant and competitive by, you know, pulling, cutting all these corners and doing it the cheapest way possible. Imagine they put money into it. Oh my God, they'd be a powerhouse. But if, if you keep on getting teams and especially, I mean, look at the Padres again, who don't necessarily have that big market chunk of uh, 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 in their coffers that they're ready to blow on players, but they're just willing to pack out their stadiums and energize their fan bases with a competitive ball club. Those profits are going to be much larger than any cost cutting and corner cutting that the Cincinnati Reds are trying to do year in and year out. Eventually it's going to get to the point that these fans, and this is across all the fan bases who are being, who feel shortchanged in this, in this deal, especially as, you know, costs rise to be a fan. And this isn't just attending the game. This is streaming costs. This is all all these things. It it costs money to be a fan. Yeah. Now, these fans are eventually, at some point, they're going to revolt, they're, whether it's via banners, whether it's via, you know, online pushes, whether it's via just a straight up boycott. What Steve Cohen and the rest of these genuinely, you know, win oriented teams are doing is maybe over time, they're going to make everyone else realize, hey, if we actually try to win, we could rake in those profits, too, and we could regain our fan base. This could be a, a revolutionary point in the sport. You just gotta got the, you gotta have these hundred million and billionaires kind of get on board with it. Yeah, and I, for me, I think that Cincinnati, the Kessling, they just have no excuse. The taxpayers paid for their stadium; it's a nice <laughs> stadium, Beautiful. right? And they've had success. I, I don't know why that wouldn't be. Uh, intoxicating for them to want to repeat that type of success. And listen, we've lived with it, right? The Mets were essentially a acting like a small market team in the largest market in America. It was disgusting what the Wilpons had done. Yeah, and and there was a time in the not too uh, distant past where uh, a, a signing like Quintana, which is a nice signing, a good depth piece, he'd be the number four or five guy on this squad would have been the big marquee signing for a team in the largest market. Oh, it would, have been, was, cool. it would have been the jewel of the offseason. Yeah, and that would have been pathetic. It would have been the Mets signing Will Myers for one year, $7.5 million. So to have a fan own the team and and really view it as, I made a commitment to the fans, and if I have to spend some money to make that commitment uh, come true, so be it. Like that is such a refreshing way to uh, see a a sports owner uh, view their franchise, and, and honestly, like it, I I couldn't be happier right now. Uh, there is such a marked difference between what Cohen is and what the Wilpons were, and the Wilpons mismanagement of the franchise for decades was gone. Un- it went unchecked by MLB. And, and by the other owners. MLB, MLB gave them a lifeline loan to keep them in business. Exactly. All oh the despicable gosh. things that the Wilpons did went unchecked because they didn't challenge the status quo. And so now I'm hearing all of this talk of like, oh, uh, 
you know, it's bad for baseball. The other owners are pissed. Rob Manfred's embarrassed. Like, uh, we need a salary cap, blah, 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 blah. Wait, do you hear that? I'm sorry. It's the tiniest violin, it's the smallest violin in the world playing for, yeah. for Rob Manfred's sadness today. Exactly. So, like, they are upset because Cohen is actually challenging the status quo. And whether you uh, agree with spending money or not, the fact is that the players are the product. We go to the ballpark to see the players, and Cohen understands that, and and the players understand that, and the good owners understand that. And there's probably like six or seven of them in baseball that understand that. And so for more money to be flowing to the labor, in my opinion, that is a, a great thing. And so a salary cap, that idea is so antithetical to uh, to the the free market, in my opinion, because what you're saying is that that hundred million dollars that we discussed, that payout that they get before they even put a team on the field, they're saying that that money should be pocketed by Bob Castellini, Bob Nutting, and and, and the other owners that choose not to spend uh, on winning ball clubs. And to me, that's that's an embarrassment. Yep. So um, it's not bad for baseball. It's a good thing for baseball that somebody cares enough about their customers to put winning products on the field. And I'm excited. Uh, you know, it, it's not just going to be those seven teams that spent in the offseason this year. There are probably like 10 to 12 teams that are really into it that will go for it. And with the expanded playoffs, I think it's going to be exciting again. And um the last point that I'll make, and, the, and then we can talk about how the Correa deal came to be, because that's wild. But- <laughs> you know what? It's about time for a quick break anyway. We'll, yeah. we'll take a quick one. We'll jump back in. because I do want to get into I mean, as we're hearing more about the Correa timeline, it's just wild. But OK, yeah, let's take a quick break here from the sponsors. We'll be right back. Hang tight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Simply amazing. I think this is pod episode number 193. We have to do something special for 200 this time. That's uh, I believe Jerry Blevins was on for, no, maybe it was 101. But well, yeah, we have to do something fun. We'll do like a, uh, invite all, all of Mets Twitter. We'll just have like a, I did a Spaces the other night. That was actually a really good time. Um, I I remember what I was going to say. The last thing that oh, I was Oh, shoot. Say. Yeah, please. Come. Yeah. The the fact is that dynasties, in my opinion, are good for sports. It gives somebody to either root for or against. It creates the the classic David Goliath, the the hero villain kind of arrangement that we're comfortable with. Luis and, Gonzalez, Mariana Rivera, setup. exactly, yeah, and, and so uh, yeah, and and what like expansion team against the evil empire, and you know, given that we've watched the Mets be. Lovable losers. We've seen them be a powerhouse in their history uh, that should have been a dynasty and didn't become one for both internal and external reasons. I think it's exciting that, you know, we might be the evil empire now and and we'll be playing that role and that'll be a different experience for us. So um, 
Yeah, I, I'm excited by all of it. I hope we don't change as a fan base. You know, the evil empire being like, oh, you know, yeah, I know we already kind of, you know, pick apart every little single inning and pitch and, and at bat and, you know, 162 game season. You know what I mean? 162 one game seasons. But, you know, it, it's almost like we've, as fans, we've, um, we've been through, you know, the ringer and back, man. It, it, you know, this, we went over it in the first half, everything that we've kind of went through and just the, the non-competitive nonsense that we had to put up with for all those years. I have the feeling that if this really does turn into a, an empire of sorts, it won't be evil. I think it's going to be genuinely proud, genuinely, you know, we earned this as a fan base, as an organization, boy, we, we, you know, they say that at the end of the rainbow, you get that pot of gold, man. Well, we, we wrote on a crap rainbow for a long time. <laughs> and, and we're finally about to land in that, uh, that, that Scrooge McDuck pool of gold. I can't wait. So I hope so. Yeah. So uh, the, this with the Korea thing and, and how it went down and, you know, the, the deal being announced and then uh, suddenly it was put off. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. No, I wish that I could. I wish I dug around a little bit more. It's been a crazy week at work, um, but no. I mean, this is. Yeah, I woke up what, Wednesday morning. I don't know five thirty, which is a little bit later than I usually wake up. And uh, you know, I'm drinking my coffee, and I didn't see the notifications at first. I'm just kind of scrolling Twitter, and I'm Korea. Why is what's going on? He already signed. Maybe the deal did fall apart, and then I find the tweet, and I'm like, oh my god this can't be real. And it is, it, it was. And, uh, you know, how it's happened. And I guess the, the story that's come out leading uh, that, that kind of led up to him becoming a New York Met is even more unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so basically what we've heard so far and, and Jeff Passan has great reporting on this. Um, uh, Ken Rosenthal from the athletic great reporting on this. Everything was all set to go. Um, uh, Correa, his entire family, Boris, they were all in San Francisco in the hotel, ready to go to the press conference the next day. And Correa was going to become the face of the franchise. Presumably, you know, real, real quick, I'm sorry. If I yeah. brought my in-laws across the country and then at the last minute told them, no, sorry, this is uh, it's not happening. Um, yeah, I'd catch hell. It doesn't matter if I'm getting a $300 million contract. I would catch hell. I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> no, I, and and so everyone's there. Everyone's all excited. I mean, it's like a, a big undertaking to travel with children and all of that stuff. Uh, and so they're all in the hotel and suddenly uh, 1 p.m. Uh, oh, sorry, on Monday night, uh, Boris gets a call from Farhan Zaidi, um, the president of baseball ops for the Giants. And um, they are a little bit worried about this 2014 injury and that, that 2014 injury um Correa was uh sliding in a minor league game and he broke his fibula and uh so there were concerns over his back and his lower right leg those are not issues that have plagued Correa in his career I mean he's pretty regularly played about 140 games or so uh every season and um at a, at a heavy duty position too, and, and carrying a huge offensive load. So um, 
the the Giants were basically trying to renegotiate the contract at that point. And so it was then that Boris, uh, I think, opened it back up to uh, to the public and, and so uh, to the fruit to the market. And what we had heard immediately after Correa had agreed to this 13 year deal, 350 million with the Giants is that Cohen felt like they had just gotten in a little bit too late, but otherwise they probably could have come to an agreement. Um, and, and so it's nice that that Boris understood that the market was still there and and contacted uh, 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 Cohen, right? It's, it's the first call you make, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, unreal. And, you know, the, the, the story of, of – Steve Cohen sipping martinis and and Boris saying, "Oh, is that three olives for my third baseman?" I mean, that's just that's thing of of myth of legend. I mean, they're going to write books about this if the Mets end up, you know, really cashing in on this whole uh, investment. Well, you know, very very wide spectrumed investment, um, not just Correa, the whole thing. You know, this is stuff that it's it, it almost seems scripted. But like, of course, it's not. But it's it's that good that it's like, oh, my God, like, who who are these writers? <laughs> this is terrific, man. But, you know, all right. So you look at Correa's deal. He was looking at 350 over 13. His yeah. AAV dropped after with a lower um, term, which is I, I think was a little unexpected. I, I think I, I don't know how that works. I'm not sure what to expect, but you would think that with a shorter term, his money would have went up. But, you know, I guess that's the, um, the benefit of wanting to play somewhere is that you make it work. I think we saw Brandon Nimmo too, right? Yeah. I I think that that's definitely part of it. Uh, And I, I think, you know, Correa was comfortable with the situation there. I don't think he would have moved right for everybody. But for uh, Lindor, like knowing Lindor, being friends with Lindor for a long time, I think that comfort meant something. Uh, isn't Nito close with those guys as well? Yes. Um, that that certainly means something. I, I think Diaz too. Yeah, and and, and so they were all on the same WBC team. I'm not sure if Diaz was on that team in 20. What was it? 2018, 2017. Sorry. Yeah, and, and so. Uh, I, I think it was just a, a good fit. You have an owner that's very motivated in Cohen and, and making the deal, but that is just such a uh, a heartbreak for Giants fans. I think, and you uh-huh. know, obviously worked there. I like the Giants, but that's uh, I I would be totally broken up if we weren't the the beneficiaries of it. Oh, how do you, I mean? How do you? We woke up, you know, around three hours before Giants fans, and you know. As I'm, you know, as all of us are, you know, you, you look, you're scrolling on Twitter and you see everybody kind of wake up and see the news and freak out. It's just so cool. And then you thought about the other end of it, where boy, these Giants fans are going to wake up and realize that they officially lost Carlos Correa. And boy, you know, I, uh, who was it at the Athletic this week uh, t- uh, today uh, on Thursday? Uh, Grant Brisby. Um, Maybe it was out on yeah on Wednesday. Just a terrific perspective of how things were going absolutely perfect for the Giants. Not perfect, but they got pretty much what they wanted to get in Korea. Not just for this immediate, but but the future. The same reason the Mets are doing all they're doing. 
not for now, but for long term. And to see it all come crashing down, it's almost it leaves you speechless. It's tough to kind of to, to, to put it all into perspective so soon after it happens. But I thought that him and, and other, you know, smarter Giants fans that I was kind of, you know, connected with on social media, you know, they know where the blame should be headed. It's not Steve Cohen. It's not Carlos Correa. It's, it's the Giants for seemingly pulling out of the deal. And yeah, maybe Correa had a change of heart. And I'm sure that $350 million worth of leverage will do, will, 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 you know, make a change if a change wants to be made. But, you know, I think the Giants dropped the ball here. And I think that no matter what actually happened, I think the, pers- the perspective from pretty much the baseball world is going to be the same. Yeah, uh, I I think so too. And I think that they have properly channeled that frustration towards the front office, which, you know, that's a tough situation for the front office too. If they really don't think that um, Correa's leg is going to hold up for whatever reason, eight years removed from an injury that hasn't bothered him despite playing all of these games and playing all these postseason games and hitting the way that he's hit, including last year and playing shortstop. Uh well, I, I mean, they're they're staking their professional reputations on it. Um, yeah. Hey, do, but, do you think that him playing shortstop in uh, uh, for San Francisco made them a little bit more hesitant with the prior leg stuff than, say, the Mets would have been since he's a third and his, his range and, and 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 range of motion and stuff like that wouldn't be as significant. So maybe they weren't as hesitant um yeah. I, I mean maybe yeah, yeah it's all kind of you know speculative because none of it i don't think we're ever really going to know what happened but boy sure it is a great story though of what of what we're hearing yeah and and the fact that it's just never been seen before on this scale and and that the mets have been the that again the beneficiaries of it, it is um is great news i mean you know look at my goodness i'm just i'm looking at this it's ranked by by AAV per season, but Scherzer, Verlander, Lindor, Correa, Nimmo, Marte, Diaz, Sanga. Like, come on. You couldn't draw this up if you dreamed if you're a Mets fan a few years ago. I couldn't. I, You know, when, when, when it became official that Cohen was buying the team, it's like, oh, my God, this could be amazing. They go out and, and kind of – do what they have to do. They win 101 games this year. Wow, this is turning into something. You hit this offseason, it's like, oh my gosh, like, is this really what we're dealing with now? Is this, are we living the, the dream finally? For, you know, from my perspective, it seems like we might be. And by the end of the year, I'm sure we'll have a much better idea. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously very excited and it is, uh, it's a great, Early Karamis gift. Oh, Merry Karamis to everyone. <laughs> oh, and by the way, of course, happy holidays to everyone celebrating this week, celebrating this weekend. Be be safe with the uh, cold weather. I don't know if you're going to be in areas that are getting snow. I'm on Long Island. It looks like we are only going to get rain and some wind, but it looks like most of the Northeast is going to be getting, uh, the Northeast and the Midwest are going to be getting snow. So be careful, be safe, enjoy, uh, eat, drink, be merry. All that fun stuff. We got anything else, Taryn? No. Uh, everyone have a great Christmas and, and happy holidays. 
All right. On that note, since we're in a very festive and holiday mood, let's let's effing go Mets. We'll we'll keep it PG <laughs> at the end here. Uh, all right, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Uh, we'll have one out before the new year ends, and uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll have some more Mets news before then too. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Have a great holiday. Take care. Peace. <laughs>